This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, welcome everyone. We continue with our uh, series of Shirim Wednesday night, uh, Sefer Vayikra. And tonight, because of uh, the recent Avelos that all of Kla Yisrael is Mesabel, Alasrefa, Sharsaraf Hashem, with the Petira of the Sarah Torah Maran. That's what we're going to speak about this evening. The series of Shirm are sponsored by Dr. Zakheim, Umeshpachtal, Ilanishmas, Rib Shalom Eliezer ben Harav Yaakov Zakheim, and Ilanishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, Rivka Bas Tuvia Halevi, the Neshama, Shehavna Aleya, Beganeden, Tehemenu Chasam. Tonight's Shir is sponsored anonymously. As Chosrufur Shalema for Shabtoi Ben Dina, Rufur Shalema, also sponsored by Yitzi Stern, as Rufur Shalema for Menachem Zev Ben Clara, and also sponsored by Yedidi, Rav Moshe Michal Halevi Hafman, Lazechanishmas, the Neshamas that were killed in the terrorist attack in Beersheba this week. <clears throat> so, the last couple of days, I uh, I can't get out of my head the towering Gado that we were zoichet to be in his generation, Reb Chaim Knievsky, Zechasak Lebracha. I go to sleep thinking about him, I wake up thinking about him the whole day. I, uh, of course, there are many Gadoim that lived in our time, but Reb Chaim Knievsky was probably the most accessible Gado in our time even though it wasn't easy to get in, but most people, at some point in their life, they had this chus to meet Reb Chaim Knievsky. I mean, I have uh, a number of letters that I wrote to him that he responded. Any letter I ever wrote to him, he responded. Um, so I want to speak a little bit about the ingredients that make up, made up Reb Chaim Knievsky, how he became who he was, and what we could learn from it. So we're going to call this share, Learn the Ten Ingredients of the Greatness of Reb Chaim Knievsky That Will Mamish Change Your Life. I might have 11 ingredients, but uh, who's counting? Okay, so we're going to begin, of course, with uh, where Reb Chaim Knievsky comes from. We know his father was Reb Yaakov Yisrael Knievsky, the stipler Goin, one of the, also the great Goinim of uh, our, sen- our century, you know, many people had this chus to see him, to know him, to, of course, we have his svarim, Kilas Yaakov, on all the Masechtas, and uh, the Sefer Chayyei Oilam. And uh, somebody once came to the stipler and asked for a bracha, for Hatzlacha and Chinuch. What Eitzah could you give? They asked the stipler to have, uh, to be successful in raising children who are righteous, God-fearing. And, Reb Ch- and uh, the stipler said, you want Eitzahs, you want Tachbulahs, you want Brachahs. There are no brachas, there are no eitzahs, there are no tachbulahs. There's only one way. You have to daven. That's the only thing you could do. Said the stipler, what do you think? You see my, my son over here, Chaimol. What do you think? Eh, you don't think I daven for him? Every single day I daven that Chaimol should grow up to be a Taman Chacham, a Yerushamayim, a Baal Toivas. And little Chaimol was already 52 years old at the time, one of the Gedolei Hadar. And the stipler 
daily. It didn't matter if Chaim was bar mitzvah and at 16 he knew Shas with Toysvis and at 20 is from the Gedoyle Hador and at 50 is from one of the all-time great Goyim. The stipler was Mespalel, Bedemois, Shalish, three times a day, all day, that Reb Chaim Knievsi should grow up with your Shamaim. And when you have a father like that who is investing and imbuing the child with such tremendous... Everybody knows the Kaycha of the stipler. The Kaycha of the stipler was Oyam Venoira. I mean, uh, people went to the stipler and saw all kinds of Yeshuas. And here, the stipler is saying that until, uh, at least until Rav Chaim was 52 years old, the stipler was mispalled for him. Bedemoi Sholosh, again and again and again and again. So that's how you have Rav Chaim Knievsky. Can you imagine such a thing? When the all-time Goine Oilam is mispalled for this kid, that's how you have Rav Chaim. So that's ingredient number one. The tefillahs of the stipler. Don't think that Reb Chaim just came about. <laughs> decades and decades, and I'm sure the stipler was mispalel for him even before he was born. One of the most important and responsibilities of a parent is to daven for their children incessantly, all day, every single day. Mishabur identifies many locations just in the tefillah alone. When you say Berches when you say... When you say the same libeinu lahavin olahaskel, Mishnah says when you say leman loy nigal rekvel neila bahala. The Chayy Adam says when you say in valatziyin ruchesharach barzander leimush miipich mizarach mizarzaracha. When you say in moedim, there are many many occasions. The, the one of the main responsibilities of a parent is to invest tefillahs in the children. Here, Stipler saying, Reb Chaim is one of the gedolei ador. He doesn't stop davening for his son. Ingredient number two. The stipler wrote on many, many masechtas. It's not easy to write a sefer, especially Lomdas of Shas. Reb Stipler learned with Reb Chaim Knievsky when he was a young boy, hours and hours and hours and hours, daily, nightly, Friday night, all day, in the Sefer Minchas Toida, which is the biographical information of Chaim Knievsky, he brings, actually I skipped one, before Reb Stipler's learning with him. Reb Chaim would say that from the time Reb Chaim was young, before he could even read a Mishnah or learn Gemara, his father taught him, Baalpeh, the names of all the Masechtas of Mishnayis, the names of all the Masechtas of Gemara, the names of all the Svarim of Tanakh. And the Reb Chaim would, would teach his children with like a tune, with a niggin. I don't, I don't know if he used the country Yossi. I have a feeling the stipler didn't necessarily use that niggin. He probably had something from uh, Navardic, I believe. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know if that one made it to Navardic. But uh, the stipler would sing to Reb Chaim the names of the Masechtas, the names of the books of Tanakh, in a special niggin. And the book, the names of the parashiyos and the chavdal sifrei tanach. In fact, Reb Chaim's sister knew all the names of the Masechtas Balpeh, all the names of the Mishnayos and books of Tanach from the nigan that the Tata used to sing. In fact, Chana Steinman, daughter-in-law of the Stipler, sister-in-law, or sister of Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim's sister. Fifty years later, she remembered. You see. The Rebbitzin. I think that might have been the tune. 
the, the, your brother? Said my best. The, but not now. <laughs> it's on. You could hear me there on the Zoom? Yeah. It's not on Torah anytime. RabbiDG.com. Okay. The sister of the stipler, uh, the daughter, uh, daughter-in-law of Rav Aaron Leib Steinman, she would say, tell me he has to come to the share. He has to come to the share. Thanks. That um, the stipler's mother, Rav Chaim's mother used to cook fish with carrots. The kids liked the fish, they couldn't stand the carrots. So they, everyone would eat the fish and then there would be these carrots left. But Rav Chaim Paskin, that uh, you can't throw out the carrots, it's baltashkas. For Chaim Paskins, the carrots are baltashkas, then somebody's got to eat the carrots. So who, I'm sorry, the stipler Paskins was baltashkas. So the stipler would play a, play a game. He would sing a song, and whoever was like, who, each, each uh, kid was corresponded to another word of the song. When the song stopped, by that kid, that kid had to eat the carrots. And that's, that's the way it was. Na, 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 you are out. But that wasn't the song. Instead, the stipler would sing uh, the names of the Masechtas. So whichever kid landed on Uktsin, Uktsin ate the carrots. So the, the daughter-in-law of Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, 50 years later, told her father, told um, Rabbi Chaim, you know, I know all the names of the Masechtas from the song that the stipler would uh, sing. In fact, story goes that in the, in the yeshiva near Letterman Shul in Beis Yosef, when Ruchaim was a little boy, just when he was able to talk, when he would see Tamir Chacham, he would come running over to him and say, "New test me on Shas." Ruchaim couldn't even read a pasuk in Chumash. What do you mean, test me on Shas? Test me on the names of the Masechtas of Shas. And the question is, so why did the stipler do this? Why did the stipler teach his kids the names of the Masechtas, the names of the books of Tanakh? And Reb Chaim said to imbue within the children a cheshek for Torah. Because if you know the name of the Masechta and you know the name of the Tanakh, you know the name of the books, you're going to want to know what's inside. So can you imagine from a young age, you know, what, what did Reb Chaim hear? He didn't hear, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, Stam, he was saved from that, the, the Giants. He heard the names of the Masechtas of Shas, he heard the names of the books of Tanakh. And he had a father who imbued within him, endowed within him a cheshek to, to know the Torah. There's a very interesting nigan that the stipler would sing for Echad Mi Oideya. And this nigan came all the way from Nevardik. You know, Echad Mi Oideya, Echad Mi Oideya, Echad Elikinish Vashmai, Ba'arat Shnai Midea, Shnei Luchay Sabrish, Shlesh Avois. So there's a Nevardika version. The Nevardika version goes like this Echad Mi Oideya! Echad hachoifer bar siach umaara babakama dafnon. Shnayim yodeya, shnayim oichsen batalas. Gimul yodeya, shloisha shaachlo. Brachas memhe. Arba avais nazikin babakama dafbez. Chamisha tamen chamisha muadim babakama tezvavamabez. Shisha arayos chamurus meelo, yavamas yud gimel. Shivas yomim kaidem yamakipurim, the beginning of yuma. Shmoina shrotsim, shabbos kovzayim. Tisha Chanuyos, Ksubis Tesvav. Asura Yuchsin Alumi Bavel, Kedushin. Echor Asur Yom Be Nida Lanida, between Nidos and Zava, 11 days. Shnayim Asur Dodin Hayu Lekiar. The Kiar had 12 spigots. Shloisha Asur Kaihanim. That was the Nevardike version, and Rabchaim was Moisif. Rabchaim said, Why did they stop at 13? 
Oral Arbosar, Boitkinas Achames, Tesvav Nashim, Paitre Sarasayam, Shisha Asar Shachalias Bishabis, Shiva Asar Yoivlais, Shmaina Asar Dvarim, Tisha Asar Dvarim Nemru Begara, Ad Esrim Amma Adam Yoshev Betzel Sukkah. And in the book binding of one of Rab Chaim Svarim, he came up with a nigan for 21 until 100 from Shas. So you say, well, okay, it sounds cute. It's a nice game. What's the purpose of this? Why, why did he do this? So I saw an amazing thing. If you look in Rabbi Kivegar, Rabbi Kivegar in the Goliath Shas counts all the times Rashi and Shas says, Ani in Rabbi Chaim Shas, he writes, and Rabbi Kivegar forgot, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So the question is, Rabbi Kivegar was a pretty big bucky. Mastama, he also was a bucky like Rabbi Chaim. Why didn't Rabbi Kivegar list all of them? So Rabbi Chaim said like this, Why is Rabbi Kivegar listing the times Rashi, Rashi says, Eni Yadea? Says the, the Rabbi Chaim, it's a kavod for the Torah. It's mechabed the Torah when you have a, such mastery over it that you could cross-reference and remember and make connections between different things in Torah that are similar, even though there's no practical benefit. It's a certain chashivus you show to the Torah. So Rabbi Kivager, on the spot, this is what popped into his head without trying. Of course, if he would have put an effort, he would have come up with all of them. So Rabbi Chaim says, Rabbi Kivager was mechabed the Torah what he felt was appropriate, Lefiha Ace, and my turn now to Mechabah the Torah, is to mention those things that, of course, Rabbi Kivegar knew that, that he wasn't Ma'amitz, uh, Moichai, to remember at the time. But this is the kind of Yediyah that Rabbi Chaim had, and I think uh, it's important to realize the influence that a parent has. That Rabbi Chaim's father, you know, Rabbi Chaim Kiesi was a person. He was a godly, so he was a person. And he had a father who was a person. And this Adam Gadol, the stipler, imbued within Reb Chaim a cheshek noira to know the Torah. Number three. And that's what I was mentioning before. The amount of time the stipler invested teaching Reb Chaim personally one-on-one. The, uh, in the Sefer Menchas Toida he brings that the stipler learned with Reb Chaim Friday night, he learned Paraksha of Psachim. And when the stipler was done with Reb Chaim at age 12, Reb Chaim was able to be Mephalpel in Psachim with any Gadol Israel, including the Chazanish. More than that, the stipler learned with uh, Reb Chaim, by his Bar Mitzvah, all the difficult Mesechtas and Shas. Erevin, Zvachim, Menachos, Chulen, and then the stipler told him, the rest you should learn on your own. Says, says Reb Chayim, the first Masechta I learned with my father, I know the best. The next Masechta I learned at 13, I know a little less. The Masechta I learned at 14, a little bit less. And the last Masechta my father learned with me, Baba Basra, I know the least. Why? Girsa de Kusta. The younger you learn something, the deeper the impact. Says Reb Chaim, till today, I have the greatest difficulty with Masechta Baba Basra. And Reb Chaim brought a raya from the Gemara Shabbos Chafal from Medbez. The Gemara said, the rabbis taught something um, before Abaye in the name of Yirmiya. Abaye didn't accept it. When Rabin came, the Rabbanon said, before Abaye in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, and Abaye accepted it. 
And he said, if I would have been Zoycha to hear it from Rabin five minutes earlier, I would have been better off. Why? Because it would have been Gersa de Ankusa. Now I learned it five minutes later, it's not Gersa de Ankusa anymore. So the earlier you learn the shir, that's why it's better to be at the shir than to hear the recording at uh, 9.15, because 9.15 is not Gersa de Ankusa anymore. 8.30 already, you hear it live, you'll remember it much better. I had this I was in Cleveland recently, and I visited the Rashiva of Tells, Rav Avram Goldberg, Rav Avram David Goldberg, and he gave me a kuntras he wrote on Chinuch. And he brings, in number five, that the Briskarov said about himself, that he gave up ten years of his life teaching and writing to learn with his children. Imagine what the Briskarov could have wrote, imagine what he could have taught, but look at the payroys from it. A good chunk of Torah in the world today is through the influence of the Briskarov, through his children. <laughs> many, many, many of the Rashivas today are Talmidim of uh, the Briskarov's children. So that's the uh, Yisoid. Don't think Reb Chaim came from a father who invested within him. Tremendous, tremendous Kaychais. Number four. Now, there's one I don't have on my official list, because I don't have any good Marmachimais on it. But I have a good story. So it will be on the number 11. Maybe this is the most important one. I just, you know, I like, I don't like saying just stories. It has to be documented in a safer. But this story left an impression on me. And I think, uh, you know what, I'm going to say it after number four. Who was Reb Chaim Knievsky's roommate? You know, L'chaira, whoever his roommate was, probably had a big influence on him. So, the Chazoynish lived in a room. At, at some point in time, the stipler, his wife and Reb Chaim, had to move in with the Chazoynish. So what the Chazoynish did was, he put up a thing in the middle of the room, and now it was a two-family house. So, Reb Chaim slept in the same room as the Chazoynish. Chazoynish had a tremendous hashba on Reb Chaim. Reb Chazoynish never had children. But Reb Chaim, in a way, was like a heir of the Chazoynish. One time Reb Chaim came in, and the Chazoynish, his derech was, he woke up every morning at 3 a.m. Even if he went to sleep at 12 or 1 a.m., he woke up every morning at 3 a.m. So you can imagine, during the day, you know, it gets a little rough when you wake up at 3 a.m. every day. And the Chazoynish was lying down, and, and Reb Chaim hears Chazonish drag himself out of bed. He said, Atzlan, you lazy! Get out of bed! How do you lie down in the middle of the day? Imagine your little kid and your roommate, Chazonish, the accountability that the Chazonish held himself. That's how Reb Chaim grew up. Reb Chaim would say over, Chazonish did not know what he looked like. Chazonish did not, if you showed the Chazonish a picture of himself, he did not know it was him. Chazonish never looked at a mirror in his life. And moreover, Reb Chaim would say over that on Yom Naram, Chazonish's mother came to live with Chazonish also. And on Yom Naram, Chazonish would visit his mother daily, including Yom Naram, and tell stories to his mother. Reb Chaim is one, what in the world Chazonish is telling Maiselach of what happened in Kosovo to his mother and Chaim saw the Mesiris Nefesh the Chazoynish had for Kibbut Aim. His mother enjoyed hearing stories and the Chazoynish would take off 
30 minutes a day to schmooze with his mother. And he wasn't talking in, uh, you know, Hilchais Roem or Hilchais Mekvais. He was stam shooting the breeze with his mother. And one time, Chazanish was caught up in something, and his mother told um, her daughter, Where is Avram Yeshaya? So uh, Chazanish's sister went running to Chazanish, everything okay? Chazanish, oh, I forgot to visit. And he ran to his mother. The nusach of the story was not even an Olympic medalist could have ke- keep up with the Chazanish when he ran. Actually, it doesn't say that. But it says, it says, that was a chazanish. So you grow up with... Now, I'm going to tell you a gavadik amaisa. Don't tell anybody, because this is one of those, you know, not uh, politically correct stories that I love. So the story goes like this. Chazanish is a big shadchan. And there was one bachar. Chazanish tells Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim, I want you to go to bachar ploini, and I want you to tell Bachar Ploini, I want you to, to suggest the following shidduch. Now, Bachar Ploini was like a spitz Bachar. He was like the best Bachar in Panovich. And the shidduch was mamish, a lousy shidduch. This girl had, you know, every... It's a bad shidduch for this guy. And Reb Chayef, Chazoinish says, it's like, you know, it's from Halach Lomash Misinai. So Reb Chaim went to the Bachar. And Rechazonish said, but one thing, you cannot, I take a shvua sa'allah, you can't tell the boy whose suggestion this was. So Rechazonish wondering, you know, the boy would never go out with this girl. Maybe if he hears the Chazonish suggested, he would, but, if he, but now I'm not going to tell him who suggested it. So Rechazonish goes to the boy, the boy says, what? That's the sh- suggestion? Rechazonish is not going to even be maharach of the Chazonish. That day, Reb Chaim heard Mazel Tov, the boy's engaged to a different girl. And who's the Shadchan? Chazoinish. So Chazoinish said, what in the world is going on? The Chazoinish was the Shadchan of this boy to a different girl, so why would he tell me to suggest to the boy this bad girl? Chazoinish said, this boy is a Spitzbacher, but he's a Shtikl Bagaiva. He was getting cold feet because he thought maybe he would find better. So I needed to psychologically convince him to go out to marry the better girl because look what people think of him. They suggest mamish, uh, you know, you know, D-minus quality. And there's a whole tshuva whether it's halachically permitted to trick somebody uh, with, to use such a psychological ploy. Okay, this is not part of the shir. If you don't like the story, if you can't deal with the story, if it doesn't meet, you know, your... Standards, just, you know, they have something called MP4, a video splitter, just splice it out. This is the story, it's a, it's a documented story. Reb Chaim knew the Hanhogos of the Chazoinish better than anybody. In fact, the stipler asked Reb Chaim to write Hanhogos Chazoinish, and, and Reb Chaim said, I can't do it, I'm afraid I'm going to get to Shamayim. And... Forget what they're going to... They're going to ask me, what's the Chazoinish going to say? He's going to ask me, why would you write this? Why would you write it like that? Can't do it. So Reb Chaim grew up with an uncle like the Chazoinish. I mean, you think about, you know, we're zoicha to have someone of this caliber, someone who he lived with Chazoinish. He's a, he's a Chavrusa, the stipler. Here's an ingredient. I didn't put it on the list. I don't have my but the story is priceless. 
So, uh, uh, Reb Chaim has two chavrusas, Reb Tzvi Yabrov and Reb Yitzhak Zilberstein. They learn with him every Friday morning. And Reb Chaim was making a siyam on many mesechtas. So the Rebetzin came in with cake and coffee like she did every Friday. She would bring in cake and coffee. And she brought Reb Chaim his coffee in a huge glass, special glass. Usually Reb Chaim drinks, I don't know, six ounces. This glass had 15 ounces. And then Zuck the Rebetzin in front of Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein and the others, Chaim! The reason I brought in such a large glass is because you're making a siyam. I'm so proud of you, Chaim. Says the Rebetzin, Rabbi Chaim smiled, Rabbi Chaim was beaming. The Rebetzin said to the Chavrusas after Rabbi Chaim left, that the reason she served the glass of coffee and praised him is because everyone has to hear complimentary words, and the main achrayis of a wife is to praise her husband. Since it's my chiv to praise Reb Chaim, I do it in private. But sometimes I do it publicly. The words a wife uses to praise her husband are the most important words she will ever say. It's Beferish and Artscroll. Page 139, Rebetzin Kanievsky. I don't have a Maramakaim, so it's not... To be in the Asar Sadibrois, you have to be Maramakaim. But it's still, to, to be in the Shir, Reb Chaim's wife was the daughter of Rebel Yashev. I mean, she, she was uh, Isha Chashuva Mefayara in her own right. Tzadikas and uh, Aim be Yisrael. And there's no question that Reb Chaim's godless was Ishva Isha Shalom Beinayim Shechina Beinayim. Ingredient number five, Reb Chaim was Mekayim, the following Inyan, Ad Lahafli Kibbut Avaim. Reb Chaim said that any time they had a child, they would never name the child, he would always ask his parents, what should he name the child? Kibbut Avaim. Whenever he had a sefer, he would never name the sefer. He would ask his parents, what should he name the sefer? Reb Chaim visited his mother every single day without fail. And then when his mother passed away, he figured, oh, the stipler he doesn't, the stipler doesn't need a, a visit. And then when, the, when uh, the stipler said, what do you mean? The stipler called Reb Chaim just because mom's not around. I, I also enjoy your visit. So then Reb Chaim would visit his father every single day. And by the way, when the stipler passed away, Reb Chaim then visited his sister, who was an almana, every single day. He didn't let a day go by without visiting his sister. So we think, you know, these people, they didn't waste a second. They didn't have time for these things. No. Nobody spent more time with their parents than Reb Chaim Knievsky. I heard from reliable sources that the uh, Kloisenberger Rebbe, current one, in uh, either Bar Park or Williamsburg, no, the Kloisenberger Rebbe in Netanya, um, his mother was alive, the Kloisenberger Rebbe's wife was Nifter pretty recently. He would call his mother every night for 60 minutes, every single day. Anyway, one time, the story goes, 
that they told the stipler, Stipler, Chaim, his back is hurting him. So Stipler came running to Reb Chaim Knievsky, he figured it's his son Reb Chaim. He said, your back hurts? Lie down. Stipler says, lie down. So Reb Chaim, he lies down, right? Like Moshe Rabbeinu saying, lie down. And the Stipler gives, starts massaging Reb Chaim's back. He poured oil on it. He gave him like a whole... And he said, okay, lie here till the morning. So it's like, Xer Sakosov. The Stipler said, lie here. Reb Chaim didn't move. You know, he, he didn't move. A few hours later, they told the stipler, no, not your son Chaim, your grandson, a different one. The stipler said, oy vey, probably I'm going to come back in the morning and Reb Chaim's still going to be there. Yes, Reb Chaim was there in the morning. The stipler said, lie down and don't move. The stipler didn't, uh, Reb Chaim didn't move until the stipler gave him a heter to move. That was the kibbutz. Time of the Krah. By the way, I never knew this. It's unbelievable. Time of the Krah. Printed in front of it is Bryce of the Melechas Hamishkan, like random, like what Shaykhis is the Bryce of the Melechas Hamishkan. Because Reb Chaim said, they told the Arsameach before he wrote Meshachachma, he wrote Arsameach on the Rambam. Now, Meshachachma is much more learned than the Arsameach, but the Rameir Simcha was afraid if he writes on Chumash, people are going to think he's a Darshan. So first he wrote on Lamdus and then he wrote on Chumash. So Reb Chaim followed that pattern before he wrote Time of the Kra, he wrote Bryce of the Melechas Hamishkan. Now, before he published it, he showed his father, and his father took out 15 pieces. Reb Chaim didn't ask any questions. The Tata said, don't publish 15 pieces. He didn't, he didn't publish them. 20 years later, he reprinted Time of the Crow. He put in many new pieces, including the 15 the stipler took out. He showed it to his father. His father took out the exact same 15 pieces. And uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> now this is... a. Reb Chaim in Time of the Quran has more pieces on Megil Sester than any other subject. Why? Because technically you now do Malach on Purim. So you can't write Svarim on Purim. So, but you could write on Megil Sester. So every Purim Reb Chaim dedicated to Megil Sester. So they asked Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim has a Sefer, a Perush, on, it's called Kiryas Melech, on the Rambam's Hakdama to Mishnayis. If you look here, I have it in my edition, it says, Siyamti Leal Purim. So you see, oh, you see, you're right on Purim. We got you. We caught you. You know, it's one thing, uh, if somebody would see you, you could say, I'm writing on Purim. But he wrote, he finished the Perush on the Rambam on the night of Purim. He said, yeah, because I was writing it as Shalachmanis to give to my father. So the Perush, Keriyas Melech, of Reb Chaim Yazi, appears on the Rambam, Sakdama. Reb Chaim wrote it as Mishlaich Manois to his father, the stipler, and he gave it to him in the morning. Reb Chaim, when Bar Mitzvah boys would come to Reb Chaim, and Reb Chaim would say, be makabal upon yourself, one mitzvah to be mechazikin. So they would say, which mitzvah? Reb Chaim would always say, kibrabeim. And he brought a ride from Yushami. The Yushami says one should always be mechazek in a specific mitzvah, never to be over it. The Lashon Yushami is in Kedushan Chavbez, Kegoin Kibravaim. And this story is unbelievable. They asked the Chazonish, the Chazonish once went into Yeshiva to Fahir the Bachram. They said, uh, so there's one guy, you always have that guy, you know, who has like a random, not in this year, but in other shirim, there's always the guy. He, you know, you're giving a shir on what Erevin. Rabbi, I was just wondering about, you know, the halachas of gefilte fish, the guy who has the random, the random question guy. So there's the random question guy in the Chabad HaChazoinish. 
and the Chazanish is asking questions, and uh, this kid, <laughs> the Rebbe is like motioning to the kid, like, you don't ask the Chazanish random questions. At the end of the Fahar, the boy says, Chazanish, ha- what did you do that you became the Chazanish? What mitzvah did you do? Like everybody wants to bury themselves, and Chazanish thought, and he said, Kibir Aim. Okay, ingredient number six. Reb Chaim was very circumspect in the way he spoke. He didn't talk. It's unbelievable. I mean, there wasn't a Levaya like this in the history of the Jewish people. Maybe Reb Avadi Yosef. Say, oh, he must have been a big speaker. He must have been an inspirational speaker. How many times in his life, how many times did he speak publicly? Never. How many times did anybody ever hear Reb Chaim speak for one minute consecutively? I don't know if anybody did. Can you imagine? He gave a shear once a year for a few minutes on Yushalmi for the Stipler's Yard site. And he had the Ahava of all of Kali Yisrael. That itself is unbelievable. He didn't speak and he commanded one of the biggest crowds in the history of the Jewish people. Reb Chaim would uh, say over, they heard from his Rebbe that a person's words are given to him in a specific amount, and you don't want to deplete them. And uh, I saw, you know, everybody knows Reb Chaim had this, uh, when you would go to Reb Chaim, the bracha you got, of course, was boha, buha. There's even a song about it. And the question, you know, why did Reb Chaim say Why couldn't he say bracha v'hatzlacha? So look, there's no question Reb Chaim had a sense of humor. Isn't anybody Reb Chaim had? But uh, Reb Chaim was asked, Reb Chaim said, a person has a certain allotment of words, and then if you could say, instead of bracha v'hatzlacha, buha, and at the same time make somebody smile, <laughs> then... Uh, you could save yourself a word. Reb Chaim, until he got married, was in Tainas Dibur from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur every year. 40 days. Number seven, and this might be the, you know, the, the ingredient which is the most compelling and powerful in terms of create, what created Reb Chaim and what we could learn from is the Chayvaisa Reb Chaim. I have a Sefer at home. I bought it many years ago. I don't think I looked at it too much. The name of it is HaChayvaisa. Everybody knows Reb Chaim had a pile of Svarim. Obligatory learnings that he did every day. Until Reb Chaim did it, you couldn't talk to him. It's like somebody had on them financial debt and they're just completely caught up in it and immersed in it and fartrach uh, and completely engrossed in it and they can't talk to anybody until they somehow get it off their back. Reb Chaim had choy in learning. Everybody knows every Erev Pesach he made a siyam on kola kula. So I bought this day for choy It's all about Reb Chaim's choy Here they are. Here are the choy of Reb Chaim. He woke up at midnight. He said, Tikkun Chatzois. Then he learned Zayar privately. People didn't see it. Then he said to Hillam, he said, one chapter a day. Then when he got up to Rosh Chodesh Elul, ten a day. And Asar made Tshuva, the whole Tehillim daily. Then he learned a parak of Nach a day. 
Then he learned three pages of Mishnah Brura a day. By the way, if anybody wants to join us, we're launching soon. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the historic Shoina Halachis program, a blot of Mishnah Brura week. Unbelievable. And if on Shabbos, you could chazer with the Shoina Halachis of Rechaim. He has Rechaim learned three pages of Mishnah Brura a day. A few pages of Rambam. Five pages of Shulchan Aruch. Eight blot Gemara. All the Yushami on that Gemara. All the Tosefta on that Gemara. See, when was he Maver Sedra? Ah, uh, Friday after Mincha, he went to the Mikvah. And he learned the whole Parsha. Shnai Mikra, Echa Targum, with Rashi. Shemois with the Mechotav, Ayikra with Taras Kainim, Bamidra Dvarim Sifrasifri. And his Rebetzin also had Chayvais. She had obligatory learning. She learned every day Tehillim, Igaris Ramban, Perak Shira, two Halachas Lashon Hara, and then she upped it to four, as is chutz for people to have children, and Archas Sadikim. And the, and the Rebetzin would tell Rav Chaim, Chaim I can help you with everything in this world except for your Chayvais. Actually, when Rav Chaim married off um, his son, who's Rosh Hashiva in Keryas Melech, Rav Chaim told the Mechutin, I can't go to Sheva Brachas. Mechutin said, why? Mechutin said, I have chayvus. Mechutin said, do, do, what can I do to help you? Mechutin said, not that kind of chayvus. Mechutin didn't go. This pressure, so to speak, of obligatory learning that Mechutin put on himself was like very unique among the Israel. But literally, the whole Sefer is about that Mechutin's mood and his well-being was completely dependent on where he was holding in the chayvais. In other words, in the beginning of the day, feeling the onus of the chayvais, he wasn't feeling well. When he f- executed it, he felt, you know, you could tell on the Reb Chaim's face where he was holding in his chayvais. Now, most people are not going to be able to learn eight blad a day and do all of these chayvahs of Reb Chaim Knievsky. Most people are not going to be learning three pages of Mishnah Brewer a day. He also learned a lot of Mishnayas outside of this chayvahs. But most people could learn Tupsukim of Nevi'im every day. Most people could learn a page of Mishnah Brewer a week. Most people could learn a Sif of Shulchan Aruch every day, five lines of Gemara a day, so, why can't we do it? Why not? If we would also have a certain system of obligatory learning, so then that obligation would give us the energy and the ability to probably do more than uh, we would do otherwise. And ingredient number eight is the one which is Oyem uh, Venaira. This is the one which is most uh, meaningful to me. They asked Reb Chaim, no, when did you start learning these Chayvahs? Reb Chaim said, from age 16. Once I finished Shas. They, by the way, they asked Reb Chaim, should, should we learn eight blad a day? Reb Chaim said, no. Because you don't know it. And if you don't know it, then you're just going to be reading words. You can only do it if you actually know it and it's review. So they asked Reb Chaim, when did you start? So Reb Chaim, I started at 16. And I couldn't do it. At eight, I couldn't do it, it was too much. So I tried again at 17. And I couldn't do it! And then I tried at 18. And I was able to do it. Unbelievable! Reb Chaim Kanievsky, he couldn't do it in the beginning. It was too hard for him. 
And imagine Reb Chaim would have thrown in the towel. Imagine Reb Chaim would have said, you know, I can't do it. So forget it. Then we wouldn't have Reb Chaim Knievsky. But he didn't give up. He tried again. And it didn't go. And he tried a third time. So we see, whenever you try something, at least you tried. And try again. And if it didn't work the third time, you could try a fourth time. Number nine. I'm going to skip the order. I'm going to go to 10 on my list first. Number nine. Reb Chaim was punctilious and so careful about every minute. Like he wouldn't say an extra word because Hatzlacha would take extra time. Reb Chaim kept a shas in the car that took him to Brismila so he'd be able to continue to learn in the car. When Reb Chaim would have to go for a walk, he had Gemaras with him so that when he stopped on the bench, he could continue. Reb Chaim would say, most people say in this world, I don't have time. Reb Chaim said, there's no such thing as not having time. When a person says, I don't have time, they mean, they mean to say, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't have time, Reb Chaim says, means I don't want to. Because if you want to, you'll make the time. You'll find the time. Reb Chaim would say, a masmid has time for everything. All you need is sign. When people say they don't have the time, they mean they don't want to. They don't really want to do it. And I was very taken by this expression because I saw the exact same words in the writing of the Chida. Chida talks about how on Shabbos, you know, people are busy the whole week. And at least on Shabbos, Kodesh should spend the day learning, not to spend the whole day strolling around, eating, drinking, sleeping. Shabbos was given, says the Chida, so, uh, you know, how do you have time for everything? I need to rest, I need to eat, I need to be Mavrasedra, I need to review Gemara, how do I have time for everything? The Chida says, actually, a friend of mine once wrote a, a book about the Chida, Rebzev Peretsky, I remember, he starts off the book with this quote from the Chida. Someone who doesn't waste time, there's time for everything. Just to, I'll talk about the caliber. You know, there's a question on Yom Tif. Are you allowed to take a shower on Yom Tif? Technically, according to the Shulchan Aruch, you can't. Because taking a shower is not a universal need. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. But the question now is, okay, maybe back in the day, you know, people showered once a week. Nowadays, in America, you know, the, the norm in society is people bathe or shower every day. So they, they, they brought it to Rebel Yashiv. You know, halachically, you can't shower on Yom Tif because it's not a universal need, but now it's legitimately a universal need. And Rebel Yashiv looked at Reb Chaim and he said, Really? There are people, listen to what he said, there are people who have enough time to shower every day? Not, not, that, not that people need Whether people need it or not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the halacha, there might be bases, just the attitude. There are people who have 10 minutes extra every day to bathe? Really? Huh? You can't imagine such a thing, that people have like 10 extra minutes in their schedule to actually like go into a, a base hakise and change and go into the shower and dry their... I mean, who has time? Every single day? Well, what, people are uh, Leidegers? Uh, they don't go to work? I mean, 
And th- this is the caliber of people we're doing. This is Reb Chaim's father-in-law. Reb Chaim didn't waste a, a moment. He was not involved in politics. Reb Chaim would say over, this is a Gavaldi Gavark, by, by the Chet Egal. Moshe Benu comes down from Harsinai and the Pasuk oddly says, Moshe comes down and the Torah, like as a non sequitur seemingly, it says, and where was Yeshua? He was in the tent. Why is the Torah saying, here Moshe is coming down from, from Harsinai, the Jews are making the Egal, and the Torah like says, by the way, random factoid over here, and Joshua was in the tent. Like, why is the Torah telling that? Because you might think, I understand, the Rebbe is upstairs, and the people are rebelling, Yeshua should have been made a Hafgana. You know, he should have been walking around with like a sign, protesting, throwing spray paint. Now from here we see that the tafkid of a Talmud Chacham, doesn't matter what anyone's doing, is not to get involved in protests and hafganot and politics. That's what the Torah says. And where was Yeshua? How do you know he was Roy to be the leader of the next generation? He didn't get involved in protesting. He was where he was supposed to be. He was not. Lo yom Says Reb Chaim, people who want to use their time wisely, properly, Reb Chaim would say, Talmidei Chacham have an extra havtacha, that they don't waste time, so that when their head hits the pillow, they fall asleep right away. Why? Because if they, if, if they didn't fall asleep right away, they would be wasting time, you know. It would be bitos man. By the way, so Reb Moshe said the same thing. He had a special bracha. The moment his head hit the pillow, he was able to fall asleep. So, on the one, so one of the greatness, part of the greatness of Chaim is he was, gave a chesedment for every single moment. But over and beyond that, the last and tenth ingredient was someone who was so oiska chesedment in his time, who was so calculated, who wouldn't waste a millisecond. There was never anyone like him who was mafker himself to the Jewish people. That his house was a rishus harabim that every umlal, v'nitzrach, and meshugana, including all of us who probably bothered Reb Chaim with ridiculous questions, had access anytime. And Reb Chaim, despite the fact he wouldn't waste a millisecond, he made his home available to the Jewish people in an unprecedented way, where a good chunk of the day people were in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And Reb Chaim would say, people think I just answer off the cuff. You know, yeah, yeah, no, maybe, yeah, no, maybe. Reb Chaim would say, do you know how much richuz machshava, you know how focused I am on every person's question to give the exact answer that I try to understand what they're asking? That Reb Chaim said he put in unincredible amelos to understand the person's question and to give the most appropriate answer. Reb Chaim once told his family that this week I answered at least 80 letters every day. I have, I have many letters from Abhaim. None of the questions were like earth-shattering. You know, you, you asked the question so you could be zoicha to get an answer from Abhaim. So the fa- Abhaim said he made no headway in his farm this week. So they said, so don't answer so many letters and, you know, make some headway in your farm. Abhaim would say, I'm not a Magad Shir, I'm not a Rosh Hashiva. Everyone has to be a Marbet's Torah. This is my Harbat's Torah. Who knows what my Zuchus for life is? It's a Chesed that makes people happy. On Purim, Reb Chaim would sit there for hours and hours and hours and thousands of people would stream by. So just close the door and, you know, 
Now, Reb Chaim was so oiskechesh with every millisecond, but he was mafker himself at the same time for the Jewish people. So again, who are we to know exactly all the godless of uh, Reb Chaim? Certainly there are many, many ingredients, and whatever we're saying is Ephes, Katseyo, Sireh, V'chuloi, Loisireh. You know, we're just uh, scratching a small dimension Kafi, our very limited uh, understanding of this towering God of Israel. We spoke about the great Tfilois that his father Stipler invested in him. We spoke about the Chesha Katoira that the Stipler invested in him. We spoke about how many hours the Stipler learned with him, the influence of his uncle, the Chazoinish, the great Kibar Avaim of Reb Chaim that Chazoinish said that Chazoinish himself was Zoycha to Godless through his myths of Kibar Avaim. The how careful Reb Chaim was with every single word, all the various obligatory siddharim Reb Chaim placed upon himself, and the fact that it wasn't easy at first, and it didn't work at first, and ultimately he was able to persevere. And despite how careful he was with every moment of life, how he was mafker himself, and gave himself over to Klal Yisrael. So, we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we were Zoycha, in our generation, the Ikvasa the Mashicha, we always say, Ain Lanu Eish, Vlay Urim Vatumim, Vlay Shina, Vlay Ruach Hakoidesh, Vlay Navua, Vlay Aroin Vishulchan Umizbeach. But we had Reb Chaim Knievsky. And what do we do now? So, Yehi Zechroi Baruch, and Zechusai Yagain Aleinu Alkal Yisrael Amin. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.